goal of Data Transformers podcast is to accelerate digital transformation by bridging the gap between business outcomes and rapidly advancing technologies. And we aim to bridge this gap by focusing on data. I am Peggy Sai, top 50 women in tech influencer, co-author of the AI book and data governance expert. I'm Ramesh Danta, an entrepreneur, a tech blogger, and AI enthusiast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to part two of our discussion with data and digital transformation expert, Shefali Sonpar. So, Shefali, you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, let's talk about the key components of a successful digital transformation. You certainly talked about the people, right, being the key factor and execution. I mean, what other things do you think are, are key to, to digital transformation? The first thing that pops in my head is certainly the data, right? The data component that that's what makes you know the wheels turn around um, for the digital transformation. I, and I know you have experience in in data, especially as a, a delivery governance delivery manager before in your past life. So, can you talk about some of the you know the key issues that are really prevalent in data for insurance? So, when you're making a building. What's the first thing you do? You dig deep and lay the foundation. Foundation, yes. Right? And in any technology intervention, if it needs to reach the business outcome, we need to lay the foundation of a solid data layer. What do I mean by that? Let's say that um, we want to, uh, taking Ramesh's example, the turnaround time of a claim needs to come down right? The first thing you need to think about is to how do you define turnaround time? And coming back to my example, in this case, 24 hours, right? Now, where do I get this data of 24 hours from? Point of call, the, when the claim was raised or the call was raised? When did the engineer call the customer? Or in our case, in an insurance game, when the, you know, the, the claim submission happened? How long did, what are the various milestones that need to be tracked to achieve the turnaround time? Where can I get that from? And which is the best version of truth that you can capture? Because what you really need is a sound foundation of data that you can be, you can trust and is as current as possible so that a business rule can be put on it. It could be a simple calculation or business logic layer, which calculates the total time elapsed between point of creation to the mm -hmm. point of closure. Mm -hmm. And then that gets rendered into whatever. It could be a web interface. It could be an app. It could be a customer app, whatever. And that's the shiny, pretty tool outside, which renders the outcome. Now, we've all seen enough and more digital interventions happen in different, you know, uh, companies where we've spent so much time creating the beautiful front end. The veneer <laughs> outside. <laughs> but when the outcome comes and that little tag comes, total turnaround time, the outcome is grappled. Mm. Because nobody's really spent time creating that view of point of 
creation to point of exit. And where do I get that feed from? Is it going to be a single layer or is it going to be multiple systems? Because insurance, as we know, traditionally has grown through organic acquisition. I would say even BFSI, actually, the financial industry has, has grown through, you know, different acquisitions yeah. and has multiple systems we deal with. Are we going to go into each system, which is one solution, and, and it, depending on the, the kind of architecture you build, it could be the right or wrong solution, but what is the solution you want? How is it kind of coming into a business layer and then is rendered into the visual layer? If you don't think of the bottom two layers, creating a shiny out, out, outside, and, and this is an example I've saved in many often is, you know, take a tin box, put some, uh, you know, beams into it, beautiful wrapper and make it the best Christmas present you can, put a bow on it, and then move it. At times okay. it works, but not always. It will work when you give the gift out. Yeah, yeah. Even if the man opens the box, he's exactly. going to throw the beans on you. Yeah, yeah. That's and you know who's exactly. going to open the box? Sorry, let me finish. You know who's going to open the box? Is the business. Yeah. And you know who did the gift wrapping? The technology team. <laughs> and you know those beans? They are data. That's, that's good. That's good. So, Shafali, so now we'll um, go into a different part of the discussion here. So you started as in underwriting and uh, you also transformed yourself to be a technologist. Um, you really got deep into that as well. But in between, you also were doing other fun things like speaking, international speaker and keynote speaker and all that stuff. So, so the question here is a lot of people are interested in transforming themselves, right? And at times they struggle on how to, right? It, it, it's not you know, why, it's not about what, at times it may not be what, but how do they transform? So let's go on your personal journey a little bit. How did you transform from one area? You decided to go away from you know, underwriting to something else, and then you wanted to go into speaking. How did you um, do this transformation and what helped you in this journey? So from underwriting to technology actually came from a very deep laziness. I'll be very honest here. Mm -hmm. so I mean, by I, the way, lots of great things happen because of laziness. So there is, uh, honestly, lots of automation. So it happened because I wanted an easy way out. Okay. Yeah. So when I was an underwriter, I, you know, you need to fill what is called the rough form and then you do it on a paper and then you need to, once mm. you made a decision, you need to open a system, which very often is a green screen. And all you need to do is update the decision here with, you wrote notes here, you need to write the note. I'm like, why am I duplicating this effort? Right? So it was really the frustration of, of not duplicating my effort and wasting my time that the eagerness came. I will also say that opportunities did arise and I've been one person who tends to take them when they come my way. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, when I got the opportunity to really move to the process excellence side in, in an insurance company, I took it. Uh, and that kind of opened my view to the larger um, value chain of insurance all the way from new business to claims. Mm -hmm. um, I also continued my education. I had obviously fairly, fairly good leaders who allowed me and kept helping me to nurture this passion that I had. Um, 
I also, uh, as, as I moved in that, I got the opportunity to move abroad. I worked in US for some time, uh, creating some fairly significant programs for, for companies like MetLife. Mm. Moved to France, where I did a large global uh, implementation uh, for a French insurer called Cardiff Life, uh, which was actually a five-country implementation. So mm. the bottom line of this is that if something came my way uh, at a logical end, Mm. Uh, so first is I think I dip deep, dig deep into when I take something up, I generally, generally dig deep mm. uh, to learn that very well and build on that. Mm. And then, by virtue of people seeing my work, you know, they reach out to me. Um, and if I think that is something I'd like to do, I take it up. And that's how kind of my career has truly progressed. Um, during the past, I really do meet fabulous people like Peggy uh, here, who, you know, we get into interesting discussions and we yep. have common passions. And uh, they come back to me and say, Shikali, that was a point that you spoke. And I go back to her saying, that was a point I loved about you. And we kind of find synergies. Mm-hmm. And that's how the speaking comes into place. Um, I, I'll be very honest. It seems uh, I'm, I'm romanticizing the whole thing. But it's been a lot of hard work. I'll be very honest. Of course. Um, oh, and when I say I dig deep, I genuinely do. I'm not an engineer, uh, so not by education, but I think like one. So for me, details, you know, making sure I move in the right direction, keeping honest on failures, keeping all the stakers honest on failures and celebrating success. Uh, these are some of the things I think personal traits that have really helped me. Hmm. And the second thing is relationships. I think I've, even as I speak now, I know people who worked with me and who I worked for back when I started my career. So I've kept in touch with them uh, more out of, you know, oh God, I messed up now. What do I do kind of thing at times. But uh, these things kind of add up and and, uh, I'm here. I think I'm still work in progress, to be honest. I think I have a lot to learn, especially as we move into this data. I, as I'm now, I'm moving into another direction of my career, I feel, and I'm in a metamorphosis right now, as I say for myself, I'm mm. going to be digging more deeper into data and uh, how data can really render value to business. It's, mm. I think, going to be now our next phase of my career as I look at the next five years. Mm. Um, I'm going to be leaning at experts like you on and Peggy on and growing there. So that that's really how it evolves. Shafali, you're you're really modest because I also have to say that your your positivity and really embracing um, each of the subjects and you know just your you know personality is. I think people also gravitate towards you, and and that's why I think you're also you know a very successful you know conference speaker and podcast speaker. Um, but I love what you talked about your your characteristics, and I think we hear that in a lot of our um, other guests who talk yeah. about their you know their perseverance, their willingness, their openness to to learn and to grow, and not just be be stuck in in one particular phase uh, in their life or a particular career, because we all know changes um, changes uh, change is going to be there, right? It's yeah. going to happen, and to grow with that change, and I think. Really, really great to to see you and embracing all that. So uh, I know you, <laughs> and I know you talked about you know the the next five years being being really data as being the 
the heart of everything. What other um, factors or influences do you see as um, being big game changers um, in the next five years? Love to get some of your futuristic insights as well. Well, I, I don't think I'm in any position to give futuristic insights, but the way I think the, the, the world is moving, I think as we are moving ahead, the lines between industries are going to blur more and more. Um, and again, I, I give a lot of credit to technology for that. Um, we started our conversation with insurance really being the underlying risk absorber of any industry. Right. But now I'm trying to see, and it actually, because of the nature and the way it used to work, it was quite, it, you know, you, you, I'm kind of remembering as I talk, you know, the PowerPoint slides that we have, you have pillar, 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 and there's this horizontal <laughs> black line that comes. Yeah. I think as we move ahead, a lot of those lines are going to get blurred. Already we are seeing significant blurs in you know, similar industries like banking, investment, securities, healthcare. You know, the companies are merging. They're all unifying their offerings for a unified goal. But now I'm also seeing the other side kind of dissolving. So is, is and I'm really looking far ahead since that's what you challenged me to do in the last 30 seconds. Can I now think of a manufacturing company? So, so yeah, actually that's already happening. Tesla was a car company. They came up with a futuristic offering for, for automation or, or, or automobiles and nobody was insuring them. So voila, they went out and said, let me create my own insurance company. Oh, is that right? That's a good example. I did not know that. Huh. Tesla, is, Tesla is moving towards their own risk uh, management, hmm. right? Similarly, we are seeing other industries turning around and saying, listen, you're an old industry. We are futuristic. If you can't do it for us, we'll do it ourselves. So other lines going to start blurring and all of them kind of intermingling somewhere such that more and more um, self-insurance, insurers getting into manufacturing. Now, insurers, um, and we, we know this from our past experience, Peggy, there are insurance companies who are actually investing in hardware companies, which device companies, installing it to shop floors, the example I gave a little while earlier, to capture the behavior and movement pattern of people and the, the uh, machines. An insurance company is investing in that product, a hardware software product. Mm -hmm. The immediate outcome definitely is to get better intelligence. But as that goes ahead, would they see value proposition in making that business a bigger chunk of their business? Yeah. I mean, that's and a that could, An amalgamation of, of industries and businesses is possibly where we are going. Actually, um, you know, I just remember two things happened. Um, one is yesterday I read that Google has unveiled this insurance platform. I don't know many details, but just in the last week or so, right? So I, I, I don't know what the implications of that are. That's one aspect. The other aspect is that we heard in a fintech industry, right? So the, you talked about the legacy of these businesses, right? So, but there are new companies they don't have to have a legacy. They can start a completely internet-only insurance. I don't know what it's going to be. 
you know, we have seen that in Robinhood as a trading platform, right? And then which is, they didn't have to have a legacy. We have seen in any other, many other industries um, where they just got away with the legacy and then started a completely new company that caters, uh, right? So likewise in insurance industry, Shafali, are there anything happening that's revolutionary new companies that are not relying on legacy? Are they happening? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, again, w- one of the things that, again, because of our legacy and our heavyweights that we traditionally carry, we tend to ensure the same type of risks. We do it better, we do it at a better price point, blah, blah, but we're st- ensuring the same type of risks. Mm-hmm. Why did we ensure that risk? We ensured the risk because we had historic information. They actually could do predictive analytics. And analytics actually started with our industry. If you look at it, actually, they've yeah. been doing analytics for donkey's years. Correct. Right? Yeah. So it's nothing new. AI, ML, is, machine learning is, is the same thing what actually used to do. They used to do human learning and improving their algorithm, right? We're just doing it faster and better. And I always say technology doesn't change anything. Technology only improves the potential of what humans could have any radar. Yep. Now we have a layer because of this AIML algorithm of traditionally uninsured population traditionally uninsured risk that even if an insurance company wanted to insure because of the unavailability of data and unavailability of historic information was not insurable. That market is now becoming available. We are seeing so many people who are getting into what we used to call, what is traditionally called micro insurance. So micro insurance can be of two types. A, we're seeing millimiles where, you know, you would take point of risk in insurance, which 10 years ago, if I went out and said, oh, I've all of a sudden decided to take a cycle from point A to point B, will you insure me? No insurance company would have done it. Today it's possible. Mm. Second type, and it's very interesting insurance, um, you know, uh, that I heard about, which is happening in APAC, and I'm not sure it's happening globally or not, but I definitely am talking about the APAC example, where they're covering SM and SMEs and MSMEs. Now, I'm sorry, SMEs are small and medium enterprises? Is small and medium enterprises. Now, traditionally, you look at it, a restaurant, let's, let's say a restaurant down the lane, you go and ask them, do you have health insurance for your uh, employees? Chances are they don't. And I'll tell you why. Because if they wanted to buy insurance, they don't qualify for good traditional group insurances. Mm. And they, the individual insurance become too prohibitive yeah. for their kind of operations. So the employees of this small enterprise is not existing. Today, by the power of technology and pooling, this group is now insurable. Mm. And there are companies that are looking at that micro insurance layer. And there are companies that are coming up and saying, I'm going to take 10 restaurants in this geography and at my level pool them, but all of you get a single insurance policy, which would be cheaper than a large group, you know, uh, uh, sorry, which is a little more expensive than a group insurance of a 3000 employee company, but much cheaper had you taken it individually. And so that's a potential net that's opened up. And it's a win-win, right? It provides insurance coverage for more people, reduces the the overall risk as well. 
And actually, Ramesh, to answer your question, I mean, Shafali, you and I remember Lemonade, right? When when it first um, came yeah, about. I heard that about this company, really, yeah. And it came IPO this year, but I remember when it was first announced, you know, just maybe four years ago, Daniel, really smart, impressive guy, being able to bring insurance for more small claims coverage, all technology, no legacy systems or debt, but really providing a new avenue for people to quickly um, claim, you know, have insurance coverage, taking a picture on their cell phone, mm. really cute ads and really uh, bring accessibility to a lot more uh, people, but also to really tying to the millennial factor, the fact that there's a social cause um, to and benefit, right, to using uh, Lemonade. So really smart way to tie insurance, which is, you know, traditionally stodgy, making it very accessible, and then tying it to social economic benefits that a lot of the younger generation uh, really care about. So I think that's a great example of uh, revolutionizing and really bringing the, the message together um, for insurance. Yep, yep, yeah, that's a great example. Uh, yeah, I remember Lemonade. So, um, Shafali, one of the questions that Peggy and we always want to ask our guests is, um, like, where do they get the information? What are the resources? Something that we could you know, transfer to our listeners and, and viewers. Are there any tools, things that help you gain knowledge uh, so people can go to it? anything that comes to your mind? So, uh Firstly, I think keeping your eyes and ears open um, is very important. Um, and, and if you're talking about you know, people who are just entering this kind of domain in this industry, mm-hmm. I think you can learn two ways. One is primary source, which is really getting into every organization today at some stage or the other is doing digital transformation. Just, and, and the problem with these digital transformation projects, are they are trapped for the sources. They don't have people, they don't have the money. And we go back to our point of vision is there, but the percolation doesn't happen. (laughs) Can you just raise your hand up and say, addition to my work, I'd also like to spend a few hours contributing to this project in whatever way we can. So that's your primary source of learning. And I think that's the richest source of learning you can do. You need to also back that up with secondary sources. Um, and unlike when I started almost 20 years ago, today, I think internet has allowed people to do secondary learning. Mm. And unlike earlier, where secondary learning was really through books and you know taking courses, today, there are two ways to do it. The traditional secondary, which is really taking up courses, mm-hmm. doing there are a lot of courses in digital transformation, adoption that you can actually get certified in. But also constantly upgrading yourself by listening and reading the, these kind of forums. So Peggy has this beautiful platform where she invites leaders to share the experience, learnings. Listen to those. There are lots of websites which are a generic at the industry level or even could be as specific for your specific line of business, life, non-life, marine, whichever you are in. Fintech has so many industry forums and platforms. Become a member. Join those. Um, because you can, the, even if you can't contribute today, the dialogues help you learn. And very quickly, you'll realize you'll actually be contributing through this primary and secondary learning. You'll also be adding to that. 
Digital Insurer is a website which I also lean on a lot, which kind of covers a lot of scope. Um, what is uh, digital insured? Digital insurer. Yeah, if you do a search of digital insurer, it's actually a website that is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've also, I understand, just recently come up with a capsule um, management course. Uh, I, I, I believe it's the first batch that they're running, but given their credibility, I'm sure it's of, of a good quality. Uh, that could be a course that you could enroll into. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also suggest that you attend these webcasts, podcasts, uh, try and see if your company will sponsor you to these conferences. Thanks to Corona this year, everything's become oh, virtual. <laughs> you know, uh, so traditionally the, the conferences last year, you had to be a delegate, you had to pay. Now you need, it, most of them are free and you can register and just listen in to some of those leaders. So, Primary, secondary knowledge, constantly using them at the right time and upgrading yourself is is something which I think can be very helpful. Great, thanks so much. And Shafali, unfortunately our time for the podcast is up and I really appreciate all the insights and advice and just your, your thoughts and trends that you shared with us and the audience today. And I think it's been really enlightening and again, appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you, Ramesh, for the discussion. I hope it added value to your audience. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you are a great speaker. Uh, that definitely shows. Um, and then you, you have really great vision and you're, you're able to translate your vision into specific actionable things. So I think it's very few people can do it. So it's, it's, it's great. Thank you. You're very kind. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard today and would like to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite player like iTunes and Spotify. And please do rate our podcast. Also, please go to our website, www.datatransformerspodcast.com for more episodes, blogs, and information on our speakers. Thank you.